Welcome to the Aspen Chapel podcast with me, Nicholas. Well, that reading is, uh, about Mary is a traditional reading uh, for Mother's Day. Uh, which it's nice to have that reading on Mother's Day, that, you know, Mary, the mother of Jesus and things like that. Um, but, I, you know, I also think that Mother's Day is difficult uh, for a number of reasons. Although it's always nice to celebrate mothers, it is difficult if they're no longer with us or if the relationship was difficult in the first place. I think it has to be acknowledged it's also painful for those who are not mothers, uh, who wanted to be, or for those uh, who the idea of motherhood brings with it feelings of loss and regret. It's strange that we put so much emphasis on both Mother's Day and Father's Day, as there is an aspect of it, you know, that you can see it as a bit exclusive. Originally, the way it came about is originally, in England, it referred to Mothering Sunday, um, it didn't refer to mothers at all. Uh, it was the Sunday uh, that you returned to the church that you grew up in and were baptised in. And that church was called your mother church. And typical England, this domestic servants were given the day off to go home to that church. And they were said to have gone a mothering. And that's where we get the name Mothering Sunday. And it's one of the few times that people in service could get together with their families. And on the way, traditionally, they picked flowers and put them on the table. And that's the idea where you get the idea of flowers and Mother's Day. And it was revived in the USA uh, by Constance Adelaide Smith, who was inspired by an article in the newspaper in 1913. And in 1914, history lesson here, U.S. President Woodrow Wilson made a proclamation establishing the second Sunday in May as the official date for the observance of a national day to celebrate mothers. And Smith linked this to the concept of Mothering Sunday, which is why we now have the institution. And I think it's right to celebrate the whole concept of motherhood. It was the Dalai Lama who famously said that the Western woman will save the world. He said, some people may call me a feminist, but we need more effort to promote basic human values, human compassion, human affection. And in that respect, females have more sensitivity for others' pain and suffering. And I think as gender stereotypes become less fashionable, it's possible to see virtues in both motherhood and fatherhood, you know, that are true for all of us. And the characteristics of those virtues are the things, I think, that can inspire us to be better people. First of all, to be, you know, giving, you know, I'm going to focus on motherhood now, but to be a mother you've got to be open and receptive. Without being open and receptive, you just don't get past first base. You have to receive something that will bring about that which makes mothering possible, that which enables the creation of the child. It involves receptivity. And often, we're not open and receptive to others who are around us. We're closed 
and often we think that we can operate on our own. To be open to receiving, it's one of the characteristics of evolution. Evolution can't happen in a closed environment. Unless there's a, an opportunity for things to move from one place to another, you don't get any evolution. In a closed environment, you don't get that. It requires cross-fertilization from one part of the created order to another so as to create something new, something that can advance us all. So the idea of being open and receptive is key to our development and one that is exemplified by women. And you can see that in that reading of the Annunciation. Um, I am the Lord's servant. May your word be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Completely open and receptive to the creativity that was going on around. She said, hang on a sec. What are you saying? You know, let me just get the... No, she just said, okay, fine. And so open and receptive. And next, I think, you have to, to value nurture. The baby in the womb has to be carried as in the mother's body. You know, what she eats, the baby eats. How she lives affects the baby. And that's such a lesson of community for us all, that oneness that mothers experience and facilitate with their babies. The idea of one flesh can't be stronger of us being the body of Christ. It's such a, a powerful image of creation and one that leads often to see, for people to see God as being mother. God's traditionally father, but you can see you know, God as being mother as well. Julian of Norwich said famously, God is the true father and mother of nature. God Almighty is our loving father and God all wisdom is our loving nature. So that idea of looking at God as being mother. Meister Eckhart, the, the mystic, said, we're meant to be, we are meant to be mothers of God. For God always needs to be born. I love that idea that we need to be mothers of God. For God always needs to be born. And then there's the, the, the bearing, the pain involved in childbirth for another the willingness to go through all that. Something that was key in Jesus' crucifixion, the idea of bearing pain for others, of bearing pain with love rather than blaming others. That's a key aspect of birth, of being a mother. And again, that's such a lesson to us all. You, we bear, at least women do, bear pain on behalf of the child. And, you know, often... You know, we're not willing to bear pain on behalf of others. And then there's the unconditional care. A helpless baby needs that care and that feeding. And the mother gives that without thought. So often our care and love is conditional. We bargain with it. You know, we have that definition of love, which is giving with no expectation of return. And a child is loved in that way. We'll care for people often as long as, as they behave or as long as they agree with us or as long as they're not hostile to us. And I think mothering shows the nature of unconditional care. And then there's the letting go. There's a very poignant passage in Matthew 
While Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and his brothers stood outside, wanting to speak with him. Someone told him, your mother and your brothers are standing outside, they want to speak to you. And Jesus replied to him, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Pointing at the disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. And I just wonder how Jesus' mother must have felt. It's at that moment that you have to let your children go and be themselves. My son's about to go to college, which is that sort of thing. But there's that, that letting go. You know, people always moan about teenagers and how, I don't think my children are watching. So I can say what I like. They're bound not to be watching. They gave up a long time ago. Anyway, a while ago, Samuel said to me, Dad, I'm going through my atheist phase at the moment. But I, I think that phase will last for some time. People always moan about teenagers, about how difficult they could be. But I think in some way, it's, it's quite sweet. You know, often, you know, the way they talk is so uncensored. You know, they haven't learned to be polite. So they just come out with it. You know, oh, Dad, you're so embarrassing. <laughs> Which is what the, I mean, you'd never say that to somebody normally. But children, you know, they're, they're so innocent in what they say. Um, so that's the beginning. You know, and mothers have to let go. Let their children go. And it's hard. But it also teaches us that lesson about not controlling that lovely phrase from the Tao Te Ching, which says, do your work, then step back. The only path to serenity. And you have to do that with children. Do your work and then step back. That's the path to serenity. Mothers do have to do that to allow their children to grow up on their own. And that's painful. My mother, who I think probably is watching, always says that there was a time when just giving a child half a crown, which is, which is yeah, a couple of dollars, just giving a, a, a child half a crown, you know, that would, would do it. You know, you could actually you know, make them not cry or whatever is here, have, have a bit of money. And, and we have to see our, our children struggle because after a while, that just doesn't cut it. You know, you, you just have to feel the worry as they go along. There's nothing you could do about it. And she says that, you know, that worry never goes away. She's still worrying about me now. Quite, quite rightly, actually, but she's still worrying about me now. And we hold that. And then, and then there's the final letting go. Now there stood by the cross Jesus, his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. That ultimate pain. And mothers bear that, as do fathers. But we're, we're, we're talking about mothers here. The virtues of motherhood are really those virtues that we need to make our world a better place. And they've always been there, but it's all of us who need to take them on in all circumstances. And we need to learn and adapt those virtues in our own lives. And it's because of this, I think, that we're celebrating Mother's Day. Because of you know, all these different virtues, the receptivity that I'm talking about, the bearing of pain, all the lessons 
that the whole thing of being a mother goes through. It's a lesson in loving. It's a lesson in loving, that purity of a love for a child. And we can take that lesson, we can take it into our own lives and learn to adapt those virtues. Not just to say thank you on Mother's Day, which we do do, but to remind ourselves of what it means to love at that intimate and creative level. We all have to become mothers and to live out those values in our lives with each other, to be open and receptive, to be one with our neighbours, to bear the pain they give us, to care unconditionally, to let them go, to see them in their suffering without being able to do anything about it. The Dalai Lama doesn't really mince his word when it comes to women. He, he said on numerous occasions that he inherited his prodigious compassion from his mother. He believes that women with their nurturing instinct are naturally more compassionate. He wants to see more female ministers of defence. If wars are a fact of life, he said, then it would be better if women were in charge since they're more likely to empathise with those who suffer during conflicts. And so on this Mother's Day, we all have to take responsibility as mothers to give birth to peace and justice in the world, to give birth to God, to that love in the world, to care for the sick and to be sensitive to the needs of others. Male societies have pretty much got us this far and to go any further, it will really take that feminine wisdom to take over and weave the bonds that will connect us as all one in society. And to a large extent, it's up to us men to develop that feminine side, letting go of the desire to be right, letting go of the desire to be in control, letting go of the desire to win approval, and adopting a desire to be vulnerable. It applies to family life, it applies to our friendship service circles, it applies to our community life, and it applies to our political life as well. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you feel moved to make a donation to the chapel, please go to aspenchapel.org. Thank you. And if you'd like to receive these podcasts regularly, subscribe to the Aspen Chapel through Apple, Google Play, YouTube, or any other outlet.